0: Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Turn with me to Revelation chapter three. We're going to be talking about the message to the church in Philadelphia, and this is not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, for those of you that are kind of like, "Oh, finally, something I've heard of," um, it's not that Philadelphia. This was uh, again one of the ancient metropolises of uh, of the first few centuries after Jesus and um and I love this letter because it's an encouraging letter it's kind of like smyrna where there's not really a lot of you know rebuke and correction um there are some struggles that the lord addresses but it's a very encouraging word that we timed perfectly to be on father's day so to philadelphia verse 7 and to the angel of the church in philadelphia write this he who is holy who is true who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, in verse 9, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews And are not but a lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. And make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance. Some of your Bibles say patience there. I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming quickly. So hold fast to what you have. So that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God. Sound familiar? And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Notice what he doesn't write, your name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we're going to dig into this. And again, this is not an exhaustive commentary on all the ins and outs of the church in Philadelphia. This is just what I feel the Lord has put on us for this morning. And the first things first, the one that writes the letter is he who is holy, who is true, and has the key of David. I love that the Lord paints this picture and says Hey, Philadelphia, I want you to know me as the one who is holy. And I want to echo those words and make them real this morning and to say, hey, to the church of New England, in a corrupt world where nothing is sacred, this is a love letter from he who is holy. In a world where nothing seems pure, he is holy in a world where everything has been corrupted and perverted and and the enemy has run rampant with destruction and, and it seems like all hope is lost, here comes the letter in the mail from he who is holy. And next, to those in a world, a fluid world, where truth is relative, this comes to you written from one who is true absolutely true concretely profoundly eternally and authoritatively true i believe that we have to get a hold of these two things and and remove jesus okay you'll never hear me say that about anything else but we have to remove jesus from our paradigms of corruption and perversion and lies and what the world has accepted as true We've got to get Jesus outside of those things because what we do is we take his word. We take the red letters. We take the gospel. We take the uh, entirety of scripture and we draw it through this filter of, well, how much of this is really true? I was talking to a brother the other day. He was like, so that story, the Noah's Ark thing, it's like, is that really true? It's a great question. And I don't blame somebody who's just coming to the Lord, who's just getting their feet wet and who is actually, forget that, this guy's jumped in all the way. He's like, he's done. He's he's gonna probably preach the next series. Uh, just, just turned his heart over in his life and everything's being surrendered over to the Lord and he's so on fire. But what's crazy is that Because of the world we live in, we can be so on fire. The the spark of revival can be lit within us. And still, still, we look at the Lord and we read his word and we say, he who is holy, he who is true. Let the Lord bring you on a journey of rediscovery regarding what holiness is what is set apart I mean I remember it when I was in middle school high school it it was it was everybody was on a mission to see how what they could make not sacred anymore it was like hey let's take the most holy thing Okay, which isn't really holy at all, but it's whatever, you know, we ascribe holiness to that we probably shouldn't. And let's desecrate it. And the crazy thing is, is that over time we get we get in this pattern of de-consecrating things, of de-holifying things. We, we're, we're, we're putting things in reverse. And for those of you that grew up in a church that put the word holy and sacred on every single piece of furniture and every candlestick and every communion table and every, everything, you, you're, you're kind of tired of that. And you're okay to show up to a church where you're not going to be stressed or em- emphasized uh, that, that there is something still holy. There is one who is still true. But saints, we cannot lose these attributes of Jesus in order to preserve the power of the gospel. In order to preserve the power and the authority of this word, we have to remove it from the, the desecration of that relative true theory of this world because right. it's garbage. Right. Amen. Right. And the key of David, I want to talk about this for a second. For today, as i kind of lean into this and you know Ashley's all like she's reading ahead my wife's reading ahead and she'll she's not afraid to be like oh I'm so excited to hear what you're going to say about this and and kind of to say like you better make it good you know (laughs) happy Father's Day you know that kind of thing I don't know if this is going to blow your skirt up like it did me but when I read the key of David what my mind immediately goes to is what did David have access to that he should not have? What and why did God grant David accessibility to things in places, in seasons that he shouldn't have had access to? I believe that David's heart was to make a permanent residence for the Lord. If you remember the covenant that God made with David, David was very concerned. He looked at the palace he was living in and he looked at the Ark of the Covenant, still out under an old tent, weary from 40 years in the wilderness. And he said, that's it, I've had it. I'm not gonna live in this palace anymore. We are building you one even bigger, Lord. And the Lord looks at David and he says, son, who ever told you to build me a house? Because I never asked for one. Oh that's your heart. That's the key. Because David's heart was to make space for the Lord. I believe that making space for the Lord on earth meant that he was drawn into the divine strategy of redemption. And that is why to this day, we are reading stories where blind Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, son of God wait a minute. What about marrying Joseph? If I'm Joseph, I'm like, I want a little credit here. I agreed to marry her and we didn't really know what happened. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Jury's still out on some of this. David, David, he's not even around for this. David. Why? Because that same heart that David had to make permanent residence, to make permanent space for the Lord on the earth was carried out through Jesus, where permanent space and permanent residence were created. Space was made and the glory of the Lord could come, even though that space was in a little bitty stable and not a temple overlaid with gold. That was the heart. Here comes Jesus, son of David. Because he understood the father's heart, he was given permissions. He had access to restricted commodities. I think of David going into the temple and eating the showbread. David was not a priest. He wasn't a Levite. He ought not be eating the bread and bringing it out to give to his soldiers. David, who the heck are you? David's doing the exact thing that, that Saul did when the Spirit of the Lord departed from him, making sacrifices before the priest showed up, before the prophet showed up. David had, had something. He had an all-access VIP pass because he understood the Father's heart. And here comes Jesus on the scene doing crazy, forbidden things like healing on the Sabbath. Who the heck do you think you are? What good thing could come out of Nazareth? Who can forgive people's sins? Who can speak on behalf of Yahweh? Of Jehovah? Unacceptable. Canceled. But because Jesus manifested the Father's heart, he was given permissions and access to restricted commodities. Power that was reserved only for those who understood what that power was really for. Saints, I believe that we are living in a season of unrestricted access for believers who make room. I'm going to pray that the ones in here that need to receive that as a prophetic word over your life that you receive it. I'm going to say it again. I believe we are living in a season of unrestricted access. Where things that were once reserved for the high and mighty mantles. Those keys are now being distributed Among anyone who is making room, who has a heart to see a permanent residence of the glory of God, cover the earth. Okay, so the next line he says in verse 8, I love this. He says, uh, he's got the key of David, and here's what the key of David does, right? He says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door. Oh, the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. I want to talk about open doors for a second because he bleeds this right into this line. For I have opened a door that no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, that kind of sounds weak to me. You know, like, in fact, it wasn't he didn't just say power and not like not a lot of power. You have great power. No, he actually said you have a little bit of power. I'm like, I'm thinking, if I'm in Philadelphia, I'm like, okay, so we're not getting rebuked, but we are certainly not being, you know, affirmed here. You have a little bit of power, but saints, I want to talk about power for a second. Because power, like faith, is measured in mustard seeds. And we all know what a mustard seed is capable of, don't we? You know why? Because that little bit of power is like a, there were some keys up here, but I think Jamal took them. My man, right here it is. My man. You see this? How big is this key? How tiny is that? Look at that thing. If you weren't careful, you could lose that in the crack of your couch. Some of y'all, that's a prophetic word. You need to go home and look for your keys in your couch, in your couch crack. If you weren't careful, that might stay in your pocket and run through a couple of wash cycles before you find it again. If that's not, there's not real care given with this. Let me tell you something. This thing is tiny, but it has the power to open that door over there. And there's at least 50 $60 worth of equipment on this stage. <laughs> <laughs> the point is this. The little bit of power is the key. The little bit of power is the key. And he has given us the keys in the same way that he took the keys. He has the keys to give, right? He goes to hell. He takes the keys off Satan to death and the grave. He comes back up and he passes us the keys. And now, though that little bitty key that can easily be lost. And by the way, it often is. It often is. How many of you all have rings of keys in drawers that you don't even know what they open anymore? You lost the power. You lost the power. You're not getting back in. Y'all got padlocks that you don't have the keys for anymore. And you just said, if it was important, I would have the key to open that drawer, but I don't have it. So forget it. Some of y'all need to go find that key, open that drawer and tithe on what you find. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Just give it all. You didn't need it anyway, I guess if it was in there, but the point is this, but the point is this, the Lord is looking for somebody who will steward a little bit of power because you had a little bit of power and you didn't deny my name and you kept my word. That word to keep, it means to attend carefully and to guard. We are living in an unprecedented time of the need to guard the word of God. When he says, (laughs) I love that. When he says, I am the one who is holy and who is true. He is calling us to arise to the stewardship of every word he says. Saints, we have got to learn the art of preserving and keeping. It gets back to that word we shared last week about meditating on the word, guarding the word, because that's what this means. The thing that the Holy Spirit does in us is it unlocks the power of the word, both the living word of Jesus Christ within us, the written word inspired by his spirit. It's the key to the kingdom. And you not denied my name. I want to just point this out. When Jesus says, I've got the key of David and I open doors no man can shut and I shut doors no man can open. I've probably prayed two. Trillion prayers that sound like this, God, open the doors, open the door. I've probably prayed 22 like this, God, close the door, close the door, let this cup pass from me. But I want to just challenge us with something this morning because I think that there's a reality to this sort of juxtaposition here. We like to talk about open doors, but what if, what if, what if the closed doors in our life were just as important to the destiny we've been called to as the open ones are? What if, what if the places where the door was slammed shut in your face? Rudely. (laughs) What if they were just as important to the journey that the Lord has you on? I think they might be. I think that when Jesus said, I'm the one that closes doors no man can open. Has anybody in the room, would anybody join me at the altar this morning and say, I have tried to open some doors that the Lord has shut. You want to hear, some of you guys know this story, but I just, I'm feeling vulnerable this morning. So I'm just going to say it. When I did my, (laughs) Ashley loves these moments. When I, I'm going to get you out of here in no less than a half hour. And uh, and in time, in time for to still before the Dells for dads is done out there. Who wants Dells? I'm like, oh my God, the truck is literally backing up as just as I said that. That is unbelievable. Go tell that guy that to, he needs to give it to the Jew first and then the Gentile, okay? <laughs> Dave, where's Galina Kupsova when we need her? <laughs> to the Jew first. Listen, you know, I'm not even gonna make it to the rest of this. I just, that is good teaching. I just, I wanna say this though, because I, I did my first year of undergrad in the land of milk and honey, okay? The Lord brought me down, opened the door to Southeastern Bible College, beautiful little like resort type campus, perfectly manicured lawns, palm trees outside my window. You know, it was just like, Every day was like, you know, 78 to 82 and sunny and beautiful. It only rained for five minutes while you were asleep at night. And I was surfing like every other day, missing most of my classes and still acing everything. And I'm like, this is what the Lord has for me. Shatabasanda. And, uh... I'm just, I'm, I'm living the life like the glory has come down and I just, I found it. And um, I go home for the summer and the problem became that I needed to go back to school in the fall and I had uh, a, around $2,300 or something left. $2,300. Okay. okay. And 19 year old Zach or whatever I was, I, got like 20 summer jobs. You know, I'm trying to like, you know, and no matter what, no matter what I was doing, I could not make the money to pay off that bill. I'm literally, I'm doing landscaping for this family in the church that I was interning at, and um, they needed stumps pulled out of their backyard. And I had a 1993 Ford Bronco that the Lord blessed like the sandals of the Israelites in the wilderness. It was, a, it was an Explorer. It wasn't a Bronco. 93, Eddie Bauer, plum purple Ford Explorer. And uh, I think it, it finally went home to be with Jesus at around like 226,000 miles. And, uh, and I didn't take care of it, you know? And I'm like, oh, I can get these stumps out. So I tie the rope to the stump, the other end to my bumper. And I take off. Right? Right on the gas. Here I go, and here the stump comes, flying out of the ground at roughly 60 miles an hour, right through my rear window, and drops next to me in the passenger seat. I'm not kidding, the whole stump. Guess how much it costs to replace my rear window in my car? Exactly how much I made doing landscaping. And and the same thing went on and went on all summer long to where I'm literally days before. It's not even a week. I think it's like three or four days. And I am down to, and I don't even, I'm so like ashamed of this, but it's just, it's got to be told. You know what I'm saying? Some stories just have to be told. I had made arrangements to borrow money from a known loan shark in my hometown. No lie. The guy had mafia connections. And I'm not kidding, and I'm not going to tell you that it was my boss at the coffee shop who knew him from some business circles, okay? And she says, you should talk to him. He loans people money, you know, something about breaking legs or whatever, but it's fine. I'm thinking, I will do anything to get back to the promised land, You know what I'm saying? And so I make arrangements with this guy. I meet him at this restaurant and he's like, okay, so I'm going to borrow $4,000 from him or something like that because there were some extra expenses that I needed to get into the school year. And I'm like, this is it. The riches of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. And so here I go, right? And I'm on a, it's going to happen. Listen to this. Literally the day before I'm supposed to meet him and pick up the check, the man is arrested for tax evasion and thrown in prison and everything he owns is taken. Seized by the IRS. God bless him. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, this, this is a test. This is a test just to see. I did everything I could to open back that door, but I want you to know that no matter what key you have, no matter who you know, the Lord closes doors that no man can open. And if I had gone back to Southeastern that fall, I believe in my whole heart that I would not be here in New England today pastoring the best church in the world. I'm not even uh, like embarrassed to say that because I believe it with my whole heart. Let's stand to our feet. I'm gonna get everybody out of here. I'm just gonna skip this point and this point, this point. If you want the rest of the message, come to the second service. But I'm gonna close with this. At the end, I really did have a couple more points in here, but let me just tell you this, to the overcomers in the room, okay? He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. It is the Lord's heart to make us pillars. You see, a pillar is such an integral part of a structure that that structure will not remain standing without it. And we don't like to put that much power in the hands of man, do we? We like to say, well, it's Jesus and he'll build his church. Well, Jesus is the cornerstone. We can't have it without him, but he chooses. In 1 Peter, we see the revelation of our place in the house of the Lord that we are to be living stones from which the kingdom is built. But for those who are overcomers for those in here who are continuing in his word of perseverance and have not compromised their integrity and have not sacrificed his holiness and his truth on the altars of this world. To you, you're not just a stone. See, I think the kingdom can go on without the stones here and there, a few stones missing, stones that he wanted, stones that his heart was for, that his blood was shed for, but stones that didn't make it. But his heart is to make you a pillar. You are a vital piece of the kingdom coming, of the Father's will being done. This is not a prayer that we pray apart from ourselves, but it is a prayer that we pray over ourselves to the point that I started praying like this, Father, your kingdom come in my life. And your will be done in my ministry, in my home, in my mind, in my marriage, in my children, as it is in heaven. I don't want to just be another brick in the wall, saints. I want to be a pillar. And I want that for all of us. You know what's cool about pillars? When everything else collapses, the pillars are left standing. You go back to these uh, ancient structures of Greek and and Roman empires and, and, and many of them, they're still pillars, still upright pillars by design and engineering these things, hold it up. And when it all comes down, there are those who are left standing. And some of you in this room, you have already proven that in your faithfulness and servanthood to the Lord. And I wanna say to you, high five. Because this isn't just about keeping your faith and guarding the word while just earthly and man-made constructs fall to pieces around you. It's about becoming such an integral part of the temple that you never leave his presence. I will make him a temple and he will go out from that place no more. The Lord is calling you to a permanent place in his presence because you called his presence to a permanent place in you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the letters. Lord, I thank you for the way that you've opened doors that we didn't deserve and that you've slammed them shut in our face, God, even when we tried to bend the bars and make it work. Lord, your goodness and your grace have covered us. And Lord, just like in this letter, there have been those around us who have lied on us, those who have prayed on us, those who have attacked us, those who have posed as counterfeit versions of something powerful and something true. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, that in the end, you have given us the endurance. The word of your perseverance was kept on our mouths. And so God, I pray that moving into this next season, which is maybe the last, Lord, that we would move with the boldness of an all-access pass, that we would move with the lanyard that says, it's okay, I'm with the Lord. God, that we would move with a confidence and a certainty that we, with a little teeny tiny bit of power, have been granted, Lord, the most incredible gift in the world. So Father, yes, may your kingdom come. May the gates be unlocked and the doors be opened in your name that your will would be done right here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, happy Father's Day. Get your Dells for dads, y'all. God bless you. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.